Verily the praise belongs to Allah. We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners or associates, and I bear witness that Muhammad وسلم, is his slave servant and his messenger. This evening, ta'ala, we'd like to discuss the fourth fundamental or asl al-rabi'ah min from the brief essay of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab ibn Sulaiman al-Tamimi and Najdi rahimahullah. Uh, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah began this essay as we have mentioned in each in the introduction to each of the previous principles by mentioning the name of Allah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim min a'jab al-ujab wa akthar al-ayat al-dala ala kudrat al-malik al-ghallab sittatu usool bayyanah Allah ta'ala bayyanan wadihan lil'awam fawka ma yadunnu al-zhanun Yani that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, he says that from the most amazing of matters and the greatest signs which indicate the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-Malik al-Kallab are six fundamentals or six basic truths or realities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made crystal clear for the common people, for the common masses of the people beyond what anyone might imagine. Then after this, after making this thing crystal clear, غَلِتَ فِيهَا كَثِيرٌ مِنْ أَذْكِيَاءَ الْعَالَمِ وَأُخَلَى بَنِي آدَمِ إِلَّا أَقَلُّ الْقَرِيرٌ And after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the matter crystal clear in that which he has revealed to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Qur'an as well as in the authentic sunnah. After this, the most intelligent of people in the world, الْعَالَمِ and the most rational of human beings, أُقَلَى بَنِي آدَمِ Except an all but negligible number, except a very, very small number, fewer than a few. All of the people, except a few, have erred concerning these basic fundamentals or basic realities or truths that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made clear in that which He has revealed to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This evening, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, the truth or the reality or the fundamental, al-asl, al-rabia, the fourth fundamental that we will discuss, that which Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has described as bayyanu al-ilma wal-ulama, bayyanu al-ilmi wal-ulama'i, wal-fiqhi wal-fuqaha'i. Clarification of al-ilm, what is true knowledge? Al-ilm, the real knowledge. And al-ulama, the real scholars. Clarification of al-ilm wal-ulama. What is the true ilm and who are the true scholars, ulama? As well as al-fiqh and al-fuqaha. What is the true fiqh? Not what might have been taken today as being fiqh, opinions of people that have no basis in the Qur'an or Sunnah. Rather, more worse than that, opinions that contradict the Qur'an and Sunnah. But what is the true fiqh? Al-fiqh, the true fiqh. It is the fiqh that is based on the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet And who are the true fuqaha, the true scholars? Those scholars of jurisprudence who looked at the text of Qur'an and Sunnah and derived legal rulings from the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Bayan al-ilmi wal-ulama'i wal-fiqhi wal-fuqahai. Clarification of the true knowledge and the true scholars and the fiqh and the scholars of fiqh. Wabayanu man tashabbaha bihim wa laysa minhum. And also clarification of those who imitate them, who might resemble them in outward appearance, who might look like them or sound like them or act like them. 
but in fact are not from them. Yani also the clarification of who are those who imitate the scholars, who resemble the scholars but indeed are not from them. Then Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, he says, Rahimahullah, وَقَدْ بَيَّنَ اللَّهَ هَذَا الْعَصْرِ فِي أَوَّلِ سُورَةِ الْبَقَرَةِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this fundamental, this asl, he has made it clear in the early part or in the beginning part, ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah مِنْ قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى From the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يعني in Surah Al-Baqarah from ayah 40, from that saying, يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ أُذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةِيَ الَّتِي أَنْعَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَأَوْفُوا بِأَهْدِي أُوْفِ بِأَهْدِكُمْ Until the saying of Allah إِلَى قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ أُذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةِي الَّتِي أَنْعَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَأَنِّي فَضَّلْتُكُمْ عَلَى الْعَالَمِينَ يعني هي الإمام محمد بن عبد الوحاب he quotes the beginning of the section that he wants to use as a proof for what he is discussing and the end of that section, which is originally it is addressed to Bani Israel, Bani to the children of Israel, to those who are the descendants of Ya'qub alayhi salam, the Prophet of Allah. Ya Bani Israel, Udhkuru ni'matiya latiyan amtu alaykum, wa awfu bi ahdi, fufi bi ahdikum. O children of Israel, Remember my favor which I have bestowed upon you. Ni'mati, my favor which I have bestowed upon you. Wa'awfu bi ahdi, and fulfill the ahd, which is between you and me. The ahd that you have taken, the covenant that you have made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fulfill it. Yeah, I need to believe in Allah and to believe in the messengers of Allah and to fulfill that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you with. أوفوا بأهدي Fulfill my covenant which you have made. أوفي بأهدكم And I will fulfill your covenant. Meaning I will fulfill or I will grant you that which you are entitled to if you have fulfilled the agreement that you have made. Till the end of the, that section where he again addressed Bani Israel. Remember my favor which I have bestowed upon you and that I have preferred you to Al-Alameen. وَأَنِّي فَضَّلْتُكُمْ عَلَى الْعَالَمِينَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given preference to Bani Israel in that time in which the Prophet had come to them, he had given them preference over the rest of the nations of the earth in that time. That was in the past, before the revelation of the Qur'an and the Prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Also, between these verses, the shahid or the witness to what Imam Muhammad ibn Abu Wahhab wants to mention. It came between these verses. And it is in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَآمِنُوا بِمَا أَنزَلْتُ مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ And believe in what I have revealed, meaning the Qur'an. The Qur'an. He is saying to them, believe in the Qur'an. As you believed in the previous prophet, then you must believe in the Qur'an. مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ Which is an agreement, and it is a confirmation of what is with you of the previous scriptures, the Torah and the Injil. You have no excuse to reject it, since it doesn't contradict that which is with you. But it agrees with it. And indeed, if you believe in that which was revealed to you previously, then you have to believe in that which has come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is in agreement with it. وَلَا أَوَّلَ كَافِرٍ بِي And don't be the first of those who disbelieve in it. Yani don't be hasty. Or don't hurry to be the first of those who disbelieve in it. And you should be the first of those who believe in it. Don't be the first of those who disbelieve in it. Indeed, the one, the first of those who disbelieve, they will carry the weight of their error and the weight of those who follow them. وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا بِآيَاتِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا And this is very important. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibited them. وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا بِآيَاتِ And don't buy with my ayat, ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا A small price. Yani, don't exchange that which has been revealed to you, the revelation and the guidance, for something which is cheap. Yani, something of the dunya. Whatever you might gain by rejecting these ayat or this revelation, whatever you will gain 
of some worldly status or some worldly benefit of wealth or whatever. It is something, a small purchase. It is something invaluable. How can you exchange that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed as the guidance for you, your salvation in this world and the next, for that which is worthless? But me alone you should fear or have taqwa. And then the next verse, it is in fact, Wallahu alam, it is the ayat that Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab intended from this section, though the other ayats are also relevant. To those who are the true ulama and the true ilm, we should consider the meaning that came in these ayats to Bani Israel. Because it is intended not only for Bani Israel but for those who came after them. And don't mix the truth with falsehood. Don't mix truth with falsehood. But give the people the truth as it is revealed. Not part truth and part falsehood. And this is the distinguishing feature of those who are not the true ulama. It is that they mix truth with falsehood. While the true ulama, ulama rabbaniyun, they are those who give the people that which was revealed to them. They believe in that which was revealed and they follow it and they call to it. And don't conceal the truth. While you know that it is the truth. How can you conceal the truth while you know that it is the truth? And this also is of the signs of the false ulama, that not only they mix truth with falsehood, but they also hide the truth. Not out of ignorance, but hide the truth knowing that it is the truth. And perform the prayers and fulfill the charity or pay the charity and bow down with those who bow down. Yani pray with those who pray. And here also is of the characteristics that distinguish the true ulama from those who are false. Do you command the people with bir, with righteousness and piety, and you forget to practice it yourself? You call the people to that which is right. You know that it is right and you call to it and then you don't act in accordance with it? This is the sign of the false ulama and the true ulama. Ulama Rabbaniyun are those who call to the truth. They know the truth, they call to it, and they act in accordance with it. They act in accordance with it. So that the people not only follow what they say, but the people can follow what they do, follow their actions. Do you command the people with that which is righteous, with fear, righteousness, and piety, and forget your own self, while you are reciting the book, while the book is with you and you know the truth? Do you not have any sense? Yani the fact that somebody knows the truth and calls others to the truth knowing that it is good and then doesn't act in accordance with it themselves which is the proof that they are غير aqil, that they don't have any sense that there is something wrong with their aql, with their intellect Then he said And seek help in patience and prayer and indeed, this is something which is difficult. La kabiratun. It is a big, difficult task. Illa ala al-khashi'in. Except those who have khashya. And then he describes those who have khashya. Alladheena yadunnuna annahum mulaqu rabbihim wa annahum ilayhi raji'oon. That is those who are certain. Yadunnuna doesn't mean any dhan that they think or they imagine. But here it means ilm. Hadha dhan. Dhan here it means ilm. They are certain. They know. Yaqeen. They know that they will meet those who are khashya are those who know that they will meet their Lord and that and they know that they will return to Him. And then he closes these ayat, Ya Bani Israel, O Bani Israel, remember my favor which I have granted to you and that I have given you preference that I have preferred you over all of the world, yani over the all of the humans and jinn of, of your time. The main point of these ayats, it is the description that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to warn us from. And that 
it will be a distinguishing characteristic of the true scholars. Who are the true ulama? It is those who do not mix truth with falsehood, nor do they hide the truth or cover it while they know. But they do as they are required. Yani they separate truth from falsehood. They distinguish truth from falsehood. And they make clear the truth that they know. They make it clear. They don't cover it or hide it. After these verses, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, he says, وَيَزِيدُهُ وُضُوحًا مَا صَرَّحَتْ بِهِ السُنَّةِ And that which makes it even more clear. Yani what makes this principle? Even more clear, what increases the clarity of this matter is that which has been explained or that which has been declared in the sunnah, yani in the teaching, the speech and the guidance of the Prophet In so many things, yani al-kalam al-kathir, al-bayyin al-wadi, and so many things which are clear and obvious, lil-ami al-balid to the common person who is not intelligent. Yani the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ makes the matter crystal clear. There are so many things of the Prophet ﷺ which are so obvious that the common person who is not intelligent can understand it. Then Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab says, Then this became the strangest of things. And it became something so strange that it was no longer acceptable. And the idea of what is true knowledge and who are the true ulama, it became confused. It reached the point where it became something very strange. Aghrab al ashya the strangest of things. And the true knowledge, the knowledge of Quran and Sunnah, it reached the point, the matter reached the stage where it became that, that this knowledge, the true knowledge of Qur'an and Sunnah and the true fiqh based on Qur'an and Sunnah The people began to imagine that this true knowledge, when the true scholars came with true knowledge and true fiqh, they said this is innovation and this is yani, misguidance and astray. Yani, they, they reversed the matter. They confused the matter and they, begin to, they began to think that that which was truth, that it was false. And that which was sunnah was bid'ah and that which was guidance was deviation. وَصَارَ الْعِلْمُ وَالْفِقُّ هُوَ الْبِدْعُ وَالْضَلَالَةُ وَخِيَارُ مَا عِنْدَهُمْ لَبْسُ الْحَقُّ بِالْبَاطِلِ And the best of what is in them, the false scholars, the best that they have, it is mixing of truth with falsehood. Mixing of truth with falsehood. وصار العلم الذي فرضه الله تعالى على الخلق ومدحه لا يتفوه به إلا زنديق أو مجنون. Then the matter after this, the matter it reached the situation, it reached the point where, according to this distorted view, the people who became confused, according to their distorted view, the knowledge which Allah made obligatory on the creatures, and He ordered us to believe in that which was revealed. آمنوا بما نزلتوا مصدقا لما يعني that bearing witness to that which is with you he said believe I order you to believe in that which has been revealed to you which is in agreement with what is with what is with you that which Allah made obligatory on the creatures and that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised the knowledge which he praised the knowledge of Quran and Sunnah Kitab wa Sunnah it reached the point where the people in their distorted view began to imagine that nobody speaks of it, nobody falls to it, nobody pronounces it except the one who is a zindiq, an atheist, or a free thinker, or a majnoon. Yani they began to imagine that the one who calls the people to adhere to the book of Allah strictly and adhere to the sunnah of the Prophet strictly even if it opposed the things that were prevalent amongst the people and that were being espoused by the scholars of that time. Whoever called to this, then they said, this one, he is an atheist, he is a kafir, he is an innovator, he is a deviant, or he's majnoon, he's crazy, he doesn't have any intellect. It reached that point. Then, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Haq, he describes, or he gives a description, those who are today considered as the truth as scholars, 
in the distorted view of the people, those who have become considered today as true scholars, as the scholar, the alim, the faqih, he gives the description of them, he says, وَصَارَ And he reached the point where, وَصَارَ مَنْ أَنْكَرَهُ وَعَادَاهُ وَصَنَّفَ فِي التَّحْذِيرِ مِنْهُ وَالنَّحْيِ عَنْهُ هُوَ الْفَقِيهُ الْعَالِمُ Then it reached the point where the one who ankarahu, who rejected or disputed the true knowledge, the knowledge that is based on Qur'an and Sunnah, the one who ankarahu, rejected it and disputed with it, wa'adahu, and opposed it, became an enemy to it, wasannafa, and he wrote writings or books warning against the true knowledge, warning against the true knowledge and prohibiting it. It is prohibited for anyone to make ijtihad. It is prohibited for anyone to uh, to not yani, to go outside of one madhab. If anybody takes an opinion from more than one madhab, this is haram, this is forbidden. That person is deviant, is astray. They began to warn against the true knowledge and they began also to prohibit it. It reached the point where those who had done so, who rejected the true knowledge and opposed it and wrote books warning against it and prohibiting it, he became considered as al-faqi, al-alim, yani the jurisprudent, the scholar of fiqh and the scholar. Here, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sari al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, gives an explanation of this asl al-rabi'ah, this fourth principle. He begins with the saying of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Bayanu ilm al-ulama wal-fiqh al-fuqaha, clarification of knowledge, true knowledge and the true scholars and the true fiqh and the true scholars of fiqh to the end of what he said, he said the meaning here of ilm, what he means here by ilm, he means al-ilm al-shara'i and what Imam Muhammad ibn Wahhab means here by ilm, he means al-ilm al-shara'i, the legislative knowledge, yani the legal knowledge, the knowledge that is based on revelation based on the Quran and Sunnah wa huwa it is that knowledge which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to his messenger from of clarifications and guidance. Then he says the ilm which is praiseworthy. The ilm which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised and glorified huwa ilm ash-shara. Ilm it is the knowledge of the legislation, knowledge of the legislation. That is the knowledge which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed upon his messenger. Min al-kitabi wal-hikmah. Yani al-kitab, the Qur'an. It is that which he has revealed upon his messenger. From al-kitab, meaning the Qur'an. And al-hikmah, meaning the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Then he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Zumar, verse 9. Qul, hal yattawi alladheena ya'lamuna walladheena la ya'lamoon? Are they equal, those who know and those who do not know? Are they equal? Full, say, Hal yastawi. Are they equal, those who know and those who do not know? Innama yatadhakkaru kulul albab. That indeed those who adhere to the reminder or who take heed to the reminder, they are ulul albab. They are those who have understanding. Those, the people of understanding. Yani, meaning the people who understand that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. Then he mentioned the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, that which is, re- is reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِقْدِينَ That whoever Allah wants khair, good for them. When Allah intends good for someone, then he gives him understanding, fiqh of the deen. Yani the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised and the knowledge that he has commanded the servants with and the knowledge that he gives to the one who he wants good for it is fiqhuddin yusaqtihu fiqhuddin means the knowledge of the deen to the exclusion of other knowledge which might also have some benefit as Imam Muhammad ibn Sheikh Muhammad ibn Wahab mentioned later then he mentions the hadith of the Prophet which is also at least Hassan and it is reported from the Muslim of Imam Ahmed and the Sunan of Abu Dawood and Al-Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and Al-Darmi and Al-Dabawi mentioned it in Shara Sunnah and so many other places Qal Al-Hafiz Al-Hafiz bin Hajj Al-Asqalani in Fat in the explanation of Bukhari he said وَلَهُ شَوَاهِدْ يَتَقَوَّ بِهَا and it also has supporting narrations 
through which it is strengthened. Yani through which it at least reached the level of being hasan. He said in this hadith, and it is a long hadith, he has quoted just a portion of it here, in the Anbiya, Lam yuwarrithu dinaran wala dirhaman. That verily, the Prophet, they do not leave as inheritance wealth. Dinar or dirham, gold or silver coins. They don't leave wealth. That is not what the Prophet leaves behind as inheritance. Whoever inherits from the Prophet, he doesn't inherit wealth. Innama warrithu al-ilm. But in fact, what they leave behind as inheritance, it is knowledge, al-ilm. The scholars, the inheritance, it is ilm. فَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ أَخَذَ بِحَذْبٍ وَافِرٍ So whoever has taken from it, he has indeed taken something which is plentiful, something which is great. And whoever has taken from the inheritance of the Prophet, from that ilm, then indeed he has, got, he has gotten something which is very great. And it is well known, Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih Hussainin says, and it is well known that that which the Prophet leave as inheritance, it is ilm al-shari'a. Ilm al-shari'a. Yani ilm of the divine law, the divine law of the deen of Allah, that is the law that is derived from and based upon the Qur'an and Sunnah. And then he says, in spite of this, yani the fact that the knowledge which the Prophet leave behind and that knowledge which Allah has ordered us with and praise, in spite of the fact that it is, the legal knowledge, the knowledge, the, the religious knowledge. In spite of this, he said, we do not deny that there can be some benefit to the other sciences, other knowledge, other than the knowledge of Quran and Sunnah. We don't deny that. However, But that benefit from the other knowledges, the other sciences, other than the Quran and Sunnah, it has two edges. Two edges. There are two sides of it. It is not totally beneficial, but there are two sides of it. He said, if it helps the person, number one, in obedience to Allah, and number two, in supporting the deen of Allah, and number three, if it is of benefit to the slaves of Allah, then indeed it is something that is good and it is beneficial. If it what? He said, if it helps the person, assist them in obedience to Allah, and in supporting the deen of Allah, and it is of benefit to the servants of Allah. In that case, it is khair, it is good, and it is beneficial. Then he said, a matter about which there is difference of opinion, he said some of the scholars, some of the Ahlul Ilm, they said that learning, knowledge of industry or worldly things, manufacturing and producing, he said, the knowledge, learning such knowledge, it is fardun kifaya. Some of the scholars said that learning these worldly things, it is fard kifaya. And it is obligatory, at least on some of the people. As long as some of the people learn it, then others are free of it. Then he said, وَهَذَا مَحَلْ نَظَرْ وَنِزَعَ But this opinion that it is falsified to learn the other sciences, it is a matter about any which is questionable and it is something that is contested. It is not agreed upon. We are not denying that there is benefit in the other knowledge, but he is saying that the point of difference here is whether or not it is fortified to learn the other sciences. In fact, there is no doubt that they can be beneficial, but whether or not it is obligatory to learn them, this is the point which is contested. Then the Shaykh goes on this point and he mentions a qaida or a principle that we should keep in mind and we should understand and we should know this qaida. What is this principle? He said, in any case, even if the matter is disputed about the worldly knowledge, is it fortify or not, in any case, the knowledge which praise and glorification has been mentioned concerning it, it is, and concerning the one who seeks it, that knowledge, it is siqfu kitabi, kitabi Allahi wa sunnati rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa the knowledge that is praised by Allah, that is praised in the Sunnah, and the one who seeks it is praised, it is the knowledge of the understanding of the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But other knowledge besides that, he said there are three principles to be considered. If it is a wasila, a means to khair, in kana, fa in kana wasilatan, 
إِلَى خَيْرًا فَهُوَ خَيْرًا If it is a means to reach that which is good, worldly knowledge, if it is a means to reach that which is good, then it is good. وَإِنْ كَانَ وَسِيلَةً إِلَى شَرٍ فَهُوَ شَرٌ But if it is a means that is used to achieve evil, then it is evil. Then it is evil. وَإِنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ وَسِيلَةً لِهَذَا وَهَذَا فَهُوَ دِيَعُ وَقْتٍ وَلَّغُوا And if it is not a means to achieve this nor that, not good or evil, then it is waste of time. It is useless. What is the fa'idah? That worldly knowledge which is a means to achieve that which is good, it helps to achieve that which is good, then it is good. And that which is a means to evil, then it is evil. And that which is not a means to good or evil, then it is a waste of time and it is useless. It is useless. And in that which helps the believer to obey Allah and to serve Allah and to support his deen and is beneficial to the people, then that is beneficial knowledge and he's from amongst the worldly scientists. Then the Shaykh makes a subtitle here. وَالْعِلْمُ لَهُ فَضَائِلٌ كَثِيرَةٌ Yani that knowledge has many virtues. It has many superior characteristics or characteristics of superiority or of excellence. فَضَائِلَ الْعِلْمُ The ilm has many فَضَائِل Virtues. And he mentions a number of them. From amongst them he said is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises up the people of knowledge in this world and in the, in the next life and in this world. He raises their status. As for in the next life, it is that Allah raises them up degrees. Yani their status in the paradise will be raised because of their knowledge. It will be in accordance with what they have done of calling to Allah and acting in accordance with that which they know. In accordance with their work of calling to Allah and practicing the knowledge that they have, they will be raised up in the next life. And as for in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises their status amongst his servants, amongst the people, in accordance with the work that they have done. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Mujadila, verse 11, يَرْفَعِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ دَرَجَاتِ That Allah raises up those who believe from amongst you. And also those who have been given knowledge, darajat, degrees, he raises them up degrees. The second virtue that he mentioned, the second virtue that he mentioned, it is that knowledge is of those things that remain behind for the person after his death. It remains as a benefit to him after his death. It has been authentically reported in the hadith, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا مَاتَ الْإِنسَانُ إِنْ قَطَعَ عَنْهُ عَمَلُهُ That if a person dies, then his deeds are cut off from him. They are discontinued, they stop. إِلَّا مِنْ ثَلَاثَةٍ Except from three types of deeds. إِلَّا مِنْ صَدَقَةٍ جَارِيَةٍ يعني Except the first of them is ongoing charity. A charity, something that is left behind that continues to benefit the people from it. Or a knowledge that the people benefit from after his death, whether it is a book or some other type of knowledge that the people continue to benefit from. Or a righteous child who supplicates for him. That hadith is reported by Imam Muslim. The fourth of the fadail of al ilm, he said, it is that the Prophet did not encourage anyone to be jealous or envious of anyone of those things that Allah has given them of his bounties or his favors. And whatever someone has been given of Allah's favors, the Prophet ﷺ didn't encourage anybody to be envious of them except two favors. Illa ni'matain. Except two favors. And they are number one, seeking knowledge and acting in accordance with it. Yani the one who seeks knowledge and acts in accordance with it, you should be jealous of them. You can be jealous of them. There's no harm in doing so. And the second of them is the one who is wealthy and he uses his wealth in the service of Islam. It has been reported in Bukhari and Muslim from Abdul ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said لا حسد إلا في إثنتين that there is no jealousy or envy except in two things, two virtues or two benefits, two bounties. رَجُلٌ أَتَاهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا فَصَلَّتَهُ عَلَى حَلَكَتِهِ فِي الْحَقِّ يعني a man who Allah has given wealth and he has given him the ability to use it 
to finish it, to use it up completely in the way of truth, to use it in that which Allah is pleased with, to use it in that which is good and just and right. وَرَجُلٌ أَتَاهُ اللَّهِ حِكْمَةً فَهُوَ يَقْضِي بِهَا وَيُعَلِّمُهَا And the one who Allah has given hikmah, he has given wisdom, he has given knowledge, ilm, and he judges by it, or he lives by it, he acts in accordance with it, and he also teaches it to others. He uses that knowledge for himself, and he also teaches it to others. These are two that one may be envious of. Yani this is also one of the virtues of knowledge, that it is one of the two bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed a person to envy another for it. The fifth of them is that al-ilm, al-ilm, it is nur, yattadi'u bihi al-abd. It is light that the person can be guided by. They can use it to show the way. And from this, the person will know how to worship his Lord, and he will know how to act with others, and he will know how to live in this world. What is his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how to worship him, and what is his relation with other people, how to act towards them based on knowledge. And in this way, his traveling, according to that knowledge, it will be yani, going in the path of knowledge and insight. The six of them, and the last one that he mentions, it is that the alim, the scholar, the true scholar, he is also nur. The, the, the person himself who possesses knowledge, he is nur that the people may be guided by in the affairs of the deen and in the affairs of their dunya, in their worldly affairs as well as in their religious affairs. And it is not hidden from most of the people the story of the man from Bani Israel, from the children of Israel who killed 99 people. Then he asked the man, Rajulan Abidan. Sa'ala Rajulan Abidan. He asked a man who was an Abid, who was worshipping Allah much, who was devoted to the worship of Allah. And he asked that Abid, is, is there any way for me to make tawbah from what I have done? And it is as though that worshipper, he thought that what he has done, the sin he has committed, is too great. There's no repentance for him. So he said, No, la, there's no repentance for you. Then he killed him also. Since there is no repentance, why stop here? So he killed him. And then he asked, who is the most knowledgeable of people? And they directed him to an alim, to a scholar. So he asked that scholar. He said, uh, is there any repentance for me? Is there any way for me to repent? I have killed 100 people. And the scholar told him that there is nothing between you and repentance. And there is nothing that can stop you from repenting and having your repentance accepted. If you repent sincerely to Allah, and then that scholar pointed to him or directed him to a land whose people were righteous so that he may go to that land. And it's so that he may leave the land that he was living in, the people of wickedness and evil and shirk and kufr, and go to the place where the people were worshipping Allah alone. He told him to go to that place. So he went out to go to that place and death overtook him while he was in the way. This story is well known. It is a long hadith and it is very beautiful and it is full of many benefits. And one of the benefits of it is the legislation of hijrah, that a Muslim should leave the land of kufr and shirk and crime and corruption and go to the place which is better, where the people are worshipping Allah alone and where the people are closer to obedience to Allah that they may save themselves, especially the one who wants to repent from that which he was engaged in, in the land of corruption, in kufr and shirk, he should go to the place which is better for him. He said this story is well known, and then he closed it by saying, فَانْظُرْ الْفَرْقْ بَيْنَ الْعَالِمُ الْجَاهِلِ He said, look at the difference between al-alim, the scholar, and al-jahil, the ignorant one. He called that which is mentioned in the hadith al-abid. In the hadith it is called al-abid, that he went to an abid, a worshipper, and he went to an alim. But Shaykh Al-Utaymin, rahimahullah, he said, Unzur ila al-farq bain al-alim wal-jahil. He called the abid jahil. Because the one who is worshipping and worshipping and worshipping and he doesn't have knowledge, then in fact his worship is useless. Because he will cause more destruction than he will give benefit. As has happened to himself and to others. He caused harm to himself and he caused harm to others due to his ignorance. But the one who worships Allah should worship Allah based on knowledge. Therefore, he said, look at the difference between the person of knowledge and the person of ignorance. Then he said, if, it, if all of this is clear, what is true knowledge and who are the true people of knowledge? Any, the virtues of knowledge, I mean. He said, if this is clear, then we should go to the other point that Imam Muhammad al-Nabdi Wahhab has mentioned here. Yani, 
ديان العلم والعلماء والفقه والفقهاء ومن تشبه بهم وليس منهم and those who imitate the scholars but they are not from them he said if this is clear then it is also necessary to know who are the true scholars who are الربانيون الذين يربون الناس على شريعة ربهم يعني who are the true scholars they are the ربانيون who nourish and teach and guide and instruct the people based on the Sharia of the Lord. يُرَبُّونَ النَّاسِ عَلَى شَرِيَةِ رَبِّهِمْ They teach the people based on what? Based on the Sharia of the Lord. Not on their opinions. Not on their own views or their feelings. But based on the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And we might add to that as the Prophet ﷺ made it clear and it is also from the Qur'an based on the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the way of the Mu'mineen. Yani, those who believed in the Prophet and followed him as Sahaba radiallahu anhum He said, they are those who teach the people according to the Sharia, the legal divine law of their Lord, until they are able to distinguish until you be able to distinguish those Rabbaniyun, ulama, those who stick to the Qur'an and Sunnah and act in accordance with what they teach the people with and act in accordance with it as we have seen in the ayat preceding of Bani Israel you call the people to that which is Bir and forget your own selves, the Rabbaniyun are those who have correct knowledge and also who act in accordance with that knowledge Instead, so that we can distinguish the Rabbaniyun scholars from those who imitate them but are not from amongst them and if they imitate them or they resemble them in their outward appearance, in their looks, they look similar. Or they imitate them in their speech and in their actions, in their movements. But they are not from them. They look like them, they might speak like them, they appear to be from amongst them. However, they are not from them in two things. Giving true advice, sincere advice to the preachers, to the people and seeking the truth no matter if it is against them or for them no matter who it came from these two are two of the signs of the Rabbaniyun scholars also what? that they give sincere advice to the people and that they seek the truth whatever or wherever it may be then he said that the best of what is with those who imitate the true scholars the best of what is with them is that they mix truth with falsehood and they offer it to the people with beautiful or attractive decorative expressions ibarat muzakkarafa yani expressions that sound good when the people hear it they say this is very true this is beautiful this is right so it sounds good they they dress it up and they decorate it he said that the one who is thirsty he thinks that it is water and the one who is seeking truth he thinks that it is truth he thinks that that's what he is in need of until when he comes to it, yani when he actually goes to use it and apply it, he finds there is nothing there, yani nothing of benefit. That false knowledge which they give, mixing truth with falsehood and hiding the truth, it is of no benefit. Well, in fact, rather it is, in fact, that knowledge, it is al-bid'a, it is innovations in dalalat, it is devi- devi- astray and deviation. That some of the people think it is knowledge in fiqh, and understanding and some of the people think that the other knowledge besides it that nobody expresses it and nobody speaks about it except is in Deek and Imajnoon and then he says this is the meaning of the words of the Mu'allif the author Rahimahullah Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab he said this is the meaning of what he has expressed in the end of this fundamental where he has said that uh, the situation reached the point in the distorted view of those who don't know that knowledge, the knowledge which Allah made obligatory on the creatures and which He prays, that no one expresses it, no one speaks of it except a zindik, a free thinker, or an atheist, or a majnoon. And that those who yani, reject it and who oppose it and who write against it and warn against it and prohibit it, they think that these are indeed the true scholars. 
He said, this is the meaning of what Imam Muhammad al-Nabuhab intended. It is as though he is pointing to a'immati ahl al-bid'ah wa al-mudalleen. It is as though he is pointing to the, ahlul, the imams of the ahl al-bid'ah, the imams of the people of innovation, and those who lead others astray. Those who make remarks against the ahl al-sunnah, yani who accuse them of that which they are free of. They make false accusations. They say these people that they believe that Allah is a human being because they affirm what Allah has affirmed for himself in the Quran, for example. Allah says that he has hands and he says that he has feet and he says that he ascended and he descended. And they said these people are yani, making Allah like a human being. They are making Allah like a human being. These are false claims, lies against the people of Sunnah. When the people of Sunnah, the scholars of Sunnah say, don't worship the graves. And the people in the graves will worship Allah alone. They say they don't love the saints. These people don't love the, the saints, the awliya of Allah. So these lies he is saying here, that they lie and they make false accusations against the Ahl sunnah with that which they are free from in order to prevent the people from taking from them, in order to prevent the people from taking the knowledge from those true scholars. And he said this way of the people of Bid'ah, of making false accusations against the people of truth and rejecting the truth and giving the lie to the truth, he said, it is the irsh, it is the inheritance which they have inherited from those who went beyond the bounds before them, who, trans, who transgressed the bounds and who denied the messengers before them. Now, he said that this way, this manner of acting, it is the way those who transgressed the bounds before them, those who denied the messengers who came to them. No messengers are coming today. But the truth is coming to us today. And the people who rejected the truth that came through messengers, these people have inherited from them their way of rejecting the truth and denying the truth and lying against the people of truth and the people who fall to it as those previous disbelieving nations lied against the Prophet. He said this is like the saying, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Zariyat, verse 52 and 53, كَذَلِكَ مَا He said, likewise, nothing has come to those before. No one has come to those before min rasulin. No messenger has come to them before except that they called him, they said, Sahirun, that he is a sorcerer, a magician, or Majnoon. That's what they said to the Prophet, and that's what these people today say to the true ulama and the people who call to the da'wah, to haq, the true da'wah. قال الله تعالى أتواثوا به بل هم قوم طاغون يعني have those previous nations, أتواثوا به, have they, يعني passed on something to these people, have these people inherited that from them, have they transmitted these sayings to them so that the people of this time are saying the same thing? It was revealed in reference to the Quraysh. Yani, have the Quraysh taken these sayings from the previous nations? Indeed, nobody has transmitted it to them, but they are in the same misguidance as the previous nations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That they are a people who transgress the bounds. It is because of that that they say what the previous people said to the previous prophets. And this is the same reason why the people of deviation today say what they say to the people of truth today. Now, this is the end of the sharh. And uh, perhaps we can stop here and look at the questions first. Uh, and then we'll take the questions that you may have if you have questions. The first question that we have in the handout, what discuss briefly the asl, al-asl al-rabi, the fourth fundamental mentioned by the mu'allif, the author, al-imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. Discuss briefly what is the, what is this fourth principle that we have taken this evening. Now, now, it is the clarification of ilm and the ulama, the knowledge and the scholars. Clarification of what is true and correct knowledge and who are the true and correct scholars. And likewise the fiqh, yani the jurisprudence that is based on Quran and Sunnah and those scholars of fiqh. Who are the true scholars of fiqh 
and likewise the clarification of those who resemble them or who imitate them but who are not of them. The second question, who are the true ulama scholars meant by the mu'allif, the author and this fundamental? I mean, who are the scholars that he means when he says al-ilm al-ulama? Who are the scholars that he means in this statement? Naam? Naam. Those who seek the truth and give true knowledge and advise the people correctly and sincerely. Naam. What else? Naam. Those who know. Naam. They know that they will meet their Lord on Yom Qiyamah. They are certain about it. And this knowledge, this yaqeen, it helps. It is that which is necessary in order for the person to obey Allah and to refrain from that which he has prohibited. The one who knows certainly that he is going to meet his Lord, that will be a factor or a force to help him to refrain from what Allah has prohibited or from acting in a way that is displeasing to Allah. The scholars that he means here, are those who know that they are going to meet their Lord. Those who perform the prayers and pay the zakat, who worship Allah and call to the truth. The Rabbaniyun scholars. Those who, who teach the people the Sharia of Allah. Who teach the people Allah's Sharia. Not the opinions that they have inherited or that they themselves has, have invented. But they teach the people that which is based on the Quran and the Sunnah. And they advise the people with that which is right and true sincerely whether it is in their interest or not, even if they might lose something of the worldly things. As Allah warned the Bani Israel, don't purchase any something minor of this world in exchange for the revelation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given, but they give true nasiha and advice, no matter, even if it causes them to lose something in this world because they are the people who seek the truth. The third question, what does he mean when he says those who tashabbaha bihim but they are not of them. Those who resemble them, but they are not of them. Who does he mean? And what does he mean by they resemble them, but they are not of them? Now, imitators, and they look like them. They, they, now, they look like them, and they act like them, but however, they are not like them, because they do not clarify the truth. They do not distinguish truth from falsehood, but they mix the truth with falsehood. And they hide the truth while they know. This, these are who he means, that they imitate in outward appearance. They might look like scholars. They wear the dress, same dress like scholars. They wear a robe or they wear some kind of cap or whatever is worn in any land that is the indication of scholarship. And when they talk, they sound scholarly. They might even mention some verses of Quran or Hadith. But in fact, they don't advise the people sincerely. But they advise the people according to their maslaha, what is beneficial for them. They tell the people what they want to hear in order to gain some worldly gain. They mix the truth with falsehood and they deceive the people in order to get some worldly gain. Now, uh, and they are primarily, they are the people of Bid'ah, the Imams or the leaders of the people of Bid'ah. They are the ones who are well known for doing so. What, which is the ilm or the knowledge that Allah has made obligatory on the creatures and praised it? What is the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory on the creatures and the knowledge that he has praised? The knowledge of Quran and Sunnah. Now, it is the knowledge of Quran and Sunnah. It is that which has been revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Kitab wa Sunnah. Ilm al-Shari. It is the legal knowledge, the Sharia. Now, can there be any benefit in the worldly knowledge? and explain the related qaida or the principle. Is there any benefit in the world in knowledge? As Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sa'id brought up this topic. What, what can we say about this? Naam. Naam, if it leads to good and benefits the people, then it is good. And can we say there is benefit in the world in knowledge? It is possible that there can be benefit in world in knowledge. Nobody can deny it. However, as the Shaykh said, it has two edges, two sharp edges. It can benefit and it can harm. And the principle, the qaida, is as the brother began to say, if it leads to that which is good, if it is a means to that which is good, then it is good. And if it is a means to that which is evil, then it is evil. And what did he say after that, the third point? Now, if it doesn't lead, if it is not a means to, to either good nor evil, then it is a waste of time. It is useless. It has no value. Don't waste your time with it. And the principle concerning worldly knowledge is what does it lead to? Does it help you to obey Allah? Is it you, it, can it be used as a support for the deen of Allah? Is it beneficial for the slaves of Allah? Then in fact it is good. Otherwise, 
is of no use. Mention some of the fadail or the virtues of al-ilm al-shari, the religious knowledge. What are some of the virtues that the Shaykh has mentioned? He has mentioned six of them. Naam? Naam. That it is the means of raising the status of that person who has knowledge in this world and the next. Naam. Also? That it is of those things that benefit a person after they die. And if, they, if, if a person leaves knowledge behind, that the people continue to benefit from, then it will benefit him. He will continue to get reward. Now, also, huh? Oh yeah, it is of those things that a person might envy, that a person might be jealous of. It is permissible to envy the person who has knowledge. Because the Prophet said there are two things, that if a person has these bounties, the person may envy them or be jealous of them. And one of them is the one who has knowledge and he uses it for the sake of Allah. Now, and the knowledge is also a nur, it is a light that the people are guided by. How to worship Allah and how to act with the other people. This we have to know, how to worship Allah and how to deal with the servants of Allah. And this knowledge, it is a light that guides the person in this world to know how to do these things. Also, that the person, the person of knowledge, the Ahlul Ilm, the Ulama, that they are also light that the people follow, they follow him. If he is of those who seeks true knowledge and he acts in accordance with it, then the people might follow him. When they see him doing something, they, they watch the way he acts and the way he behaves and they can follow him in it. It is a light that might be followed, the human being himself. Now, also, uh, there was one more point that was mentioned here, that ilm, it is the irf of the anbiya, it is the inheritance of the anbiya. It is a great virtue that the, the anbiya, the prophets, that they don't leave anything else behind for the people to take from them except knowledge. Uh, the next question, what is the qissa or the story mentioned by the sharih, that is the explainer of the book, Sheikh Muhammad al What is the qissa or the story that he mentioned showing the difference between the alim and the jahil? What is that story in brief? Now, the story of the man from Bani Israel who killed 99 people and he wanted to repent. And he went to a worshipper who was worshipping Allah a lot, but he was ignorant. And he asked him, can I repent? And he thought that somebody who has killed 99 people, being ignorant, he doesn't know. He doesn't know something that you and I know. That whoever repents sincerely to Allah, Allah accepts repentance. There's nothing that a person can do. Even shirk, even kufr. If they repented sincerely and corrected themselves before they died, Allah accepts repentance. What about the mushrikeen and the kufar who was making shirk all their life? And then they repented and embraced Islam and they died. Allah accepts their repentance. There's nothing that a person can do if he repents from it sincerely in his lifetime that Allah will not forgive. And, there, and there's nothing that Allah will not forgive even if a person died without repenting except shirk. Except shirk. But that man was so ignorant, he thought that if you killed 99 people, you can't repent. So he said no repentance and he killed him. Until he went to a person who had knowledge, he advised him correctly. How has the author described those who are today considered as al-faqih, al-alim? Yani what are the three things that he mentioned at the end of this principle, which he said they are the characteristics of the person who, or the people today who are considered as the real scholars of fiqh or the real scholars. What, what, what are their characteristics? How has he, he described them? Naam, they lie against the people of Sunnah. And they bring harm to both themselves and others. But look at the wording that the Shaykh has mentioned here. In this principle, huh? They mix truth with falsehood, naam. He said that also. But in the end he said, that they are those, he said it reached the point now, where those who men ankarahu, yani ankara, they, they denied and rejected the truth. They denied it. Wa'adahu, and opposed it, fought against it, and differed with it. Wasannafa, and they authored or they wrote books, fi tahdir minhu, nahi anhu, prohibiting it and warning against it. He said they have become considered today as al alim and saqeeq. Yani those who reject the true knowledge and they oppose it, 
They oppose it. They don't even leave the one who is presenting true knowledge alone. Let him present it and do what he is doing. No, he oppose it and fight against it. And then he writes, he makes effort to write warning the people against the true knowledge and prohibiting the true knowledge. Today these people have become known as the faqih and the alim. Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta sakhruka wa tubu ilayk. Is there time for questions? We can take a few questions. Uh, if there's any, especially if there's any point of clarification, any something that was left unclear, uh, or something you know that needs further explanation, or any comment or correction, none. Public. We have first choice. Public. No. No. Well, as far as the, the question, Lani, since today there's internet and so much knowledge is being spread through the internet and modern means of communication, how can we distinguish the true scholar and the correct knowledge from that which is false? There are many distinguishing features. From amongst them, and the first and most important of them, is that any book, or any writing, or any person who speaks about Islam, they should support what they have said with Qur'an and Sunnah. They should, whatever they tell us to do or not to do, or that it is prohibited, or it is obligatory, they should give proof from the Book of Allah. And they should give proof from the authentic sunnah of the Prophet Authentic sunnah. Not just saying it is a hadith. But they should give evidence. That is the first point. The second point, that if they give any proof from the sunnah, they should clarify the authenticity of what they have given. Is it true or not? Is it correct hadith or not? And this way, it means that they should give the reference where it has come from. And they should talk about its authenticity. They shouldn't just say it has been reported by Abu Dawood or Tirmidhi or Ibn Majah or Muslim Ibn Ahmed. But they should also say what is the grade of it. Is it authentic, reliable, acceptable or not? If they have done so, then it is the first any indication that people who give evidence and give reference and give verification of what they have said, it is the first evidence that they are of the true scholars. Because they are given proof for what they said, so you can go back and check it. So you can go back and check it. Another proof of the, of the correctness of the scholars or the knowledge that comes from a person or from a book is whether or not what they have said is in contradiction to something else in the Qur'an or in the Sunnah or especially that which has been understood by Sahaba. And we should look at what they have explained from Qur'an and Sunnah. Is it in accordance with other verses of Qur'an and other hadith of the Prophet and that which was understood by Sahaba? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala required of us not only to follow the Qur'an and Sunnah but also that we should be in accordance with the way of the believers, the mu'mineen, sabir al-mu'mineen, meaning the way of Sahaba. And the Prophet sallallahu he said that the jama'ah, those who would be saved, it is that which I am upon wa ashabi. Ma ana alayhim wa ashabi. That which I am following and my companions. Therefore the second indication of correct knowledge and correct scholars is that what they are saying is in agreement with the Qur'an in general and the Sunnah and understanding of the companions of the Prophet and those early generations of the scholars, whether from among Sahaba or Tabi'in or Atba'a Tabi'in, those who are well known for their scholarship and those who are well known for being yani, the people of Sunnah, that what they are saying is in agreement with them and not in agreement with what is known from the people of Bid'ah. And there are other points, these are the primary, perhaps most important of them. Any other comments or questions? Yes, you have a suggestion. Now, he is saying that, for example, if they have given something about Salat, if they have given, written a book about Salat, then if we know the correct way of Salat. But of course, not everybody who is looking in the internet knows the correct way of Salat. 
But for those who know the correct way, then they can compare with what they know, which has come from the well-known scholars of the people of Sunnah, like Shaykh Abdulaziz ibn Baz, Allah, and Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, and these scholars of And compare. We can compare with that which we know. Yani the general principle of what he said is comparing what they say with what we know to be from reliable sources. What we know to be from reliable sources. Compare it. Now, any other comments or questions? Yani whether, then in the meaning of al-hasad in the hadith, he said, la hasad illa fi ithnatayn. The meaning of hasad here, it means the one who desires to have that ni'mah, whether it is knowledge, to use it in the way of Allah, or wealth, to use it in the way of Allah, to live according to it and to act according to it and for the benefit of Islam. The one who desires what he sees another person have of these bounties, he desires to have it, without desiring to take it from that one or for that one to lose what he has. This is what we mean by hasad. We don't mean the hasad of the one who desires to take the favor that somebody else has from them so that he may have it. Or desires that they will lose it because he doesn't have it. That is prohibited. But what we mean here, in these two matters, it is allowed to have hasad. It means that you desire to have the like of what your brother or sister have while they continue to have it, and you also have it with them. And in not taking anything from them or denying them of what they have, jealousy here or envy, meaning you desire to have like they have, so you can do like they are doing, the same. Is it clear? Is that a lot